Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today we are diving into Twin Peaks Season 2, Episode 20. <gasps> what is this one called? Uh, the Path Dirty to the Black Lodge. Except for it's the Black House on mine. It says Black House. And I was like, is this a translation <laughs> thing? <laughs> I think so, too, because I remember watching it for the first time and it said the black house and i was like maybe that's a weird thing because black lodge obviously but then when i uh went to go rewatch it on apple tv i like held it the enter button down so i could like go back an episode and it says it correctly there but when you open it on paramount Hmm. it changes the house it's very spooky interesting interesting I i was wondering if it had something to do with the fact that like they were originally created for the German DVD release. And so uh-huh. like maybe the translation. Translations. <laughs> but it's maybe. good to know that they actually changed it on some stuff. They're like, no, no, no. They meant the Black Lodge. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I, but then I was like, because before I thought of that, I was like, is it like some sort of White House, Black House thing? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like the leaders of the, of the underworld. <laughs> I was like, why, why are you thinking about this so hard? You know what happens, you know. <laughs> what they're talking about <laughs> <laughs> you watched the show many times <laughs> oh my gosh we're getting so close to the end i can't believe i know it. i i you can almost like feel it in the air watching this episode too totally i really like this episode me too i was direct oh when we get to the director and stuff i thought it was just directed really well and mm-hmm. it definitely uh, feels like a really transition from like the more lovey-dovey that we've just had to like mm-hmm. spooky spooky <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes i would say we definitely had only like a couple blips of like the soapiness that we've become accustomed to and we had more of those like very like creepy shots and creepy yeah. noises and... yeah yeah it was really good yeah mm-hmm. so what was your first impression Besides that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I loved it. I'm glad we got Audrey back. Finally. Mm -hmm. Like I just because she's like, probably my favorite character. I just like, I feel like we've been missing something. And (laughs) I'm just happy to have her back. And I feel like the conclusion of her and Jack's love story is very funny. And it it is. It's it's like a sub. A reference to something or something. I don't know. <laughs> okay, maybe that's it feels what it like is. it. Because like I had, I found myself wondering like, what was the point of the storyline <laughs> if he's just gonna leave kind of forever and <laughs> nothing like has happened really? Because she's been gone for a few episodes, so maybe that's why I'm missing it. I'm sure if they came back for a season three, that oh yeah, that would have continued. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen like. Audrey in Brazil or something. That would be oh, like a totally. fun little, little uh, <laughs> thing. <laughs> but I mean, we would have started season three with her getting on a plane. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> getting off at the Rio airport. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of which, okay, let's make a mental note that he's going okay. to Brazil because I'm pretty sure that Brazil is kind of in the background of future Twin Peaks. So. Ooh. Maybe connection. Hmm. We'll have to think. Uh, well, I'll have to think about it and then I'll try to remind you. <laughs> but I had never Just thought of that before. <laughs> Interesting. Um, but yeah, like even though there were like 
little blips of soapy romance stuff. I did kind of love the Cooper Annie stuff that we got this episode. And I did kind of feel like this episode was particularly um menacing. <laughs> <laughs> well, menacing, but like in regards to like all like the love lo- love storylines, like very like steamy, very forward. Like there was a lot of like almost borderline dirty talk <laughs> in certain scenes. And I was like, oh. And you window. Yeah, very much. So, but I really liked it. It was like a very breezy episode, I would say. Hmm. See, I think of it as less of a breezy and more of a like gale gusty. <laughs> like we're getting ready for mm-hmm. a thunderstorm and this is like <laughs> the dark clouds are coming in because we've had like real easy breezy episodes for the past couple. Right. And even though it was still there, it was like, I don't know, like, you know, when Annie and Cooper are talking in the diner, it like pulls away and has this really scary yeah. music. And I was like, Ugh. <laughs> there was a lot of like yeah there was a lot of weirdness definitely I guess by breezy I mean like it was just like a very <laughs> not that any of them are hard to watch but like it was just re- particularly easy watch like I just had so much fun watching it because yeah I feel like there were a lot of things that I was like maybe I should rewatch this and keep an eye out for anything I missed yeah and I um because we we kind of like prepped for this to do it and then we kind of took we had to do something else. And so we've come back like a week later or whatever, watching it again. I was able to <laughs> remember that the stuff that I was like, I should do this. And so like, I really looked at Twin Peaks pet or the Owl Cave Patrick left. And uh-huh. I was like, I feel like I can read this. And there's a couple things that maybe we should talk about it later. But okay. I feel like yeah. I take a good look at it. <laughs> mm, yeah, well, I also really love the um, the high tech computers that Wyndham has somehow acquired. <laughs> I still have plenty of questions about his resources, but um, <laughs> we could talk more about it when we get to it. He must have had like some sort of nest egg buried somewhere. <laughs> Seriously, it must have been some sort of nest egg, a condor <laughs> nest egg, an owl <laughs> nest egg. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do the notes. Let's do it. So the director for this episode was Stephen Gyllenhaal, who is Mm -hmm. the father of Maggie and Jake. (laughs) I just had a feeling. (laughs) I don't know that he's done any other Twin Peaks, but I thought it was really well directed. Yeah. Harley Payton and Robert Eagles were the writers. <laughs> of course. Our normal. We got a new character, Cappy. <laughs> <laughs> I was very uh, thrown off by him because I was like, <laughs> is he a biker? Looks... Is he a cop? Is he military? What? True. Was he a biker in earlier episodes? Like, was he one of the bookhouse he, boys? He does look familiar, but I'm, I'm just like, he just has like, the black leather biker jacket. I don't, and I feel like he was just wearing jeans and black boots. Like it just seemed like the James costume. <laughs> he looks very much like Harry, like a younger yes. brother. <laughs> he does. And it was just so weird. Like, oh, you guys have another employee here? <laughs> <laughs> right. Someone who we've never met. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he was played by Ron Blair, if I didn't already say that. <laughs> Apparently, there is a deleted scene, which I guess I should. Yeah pop in the dvds because i bet it's on there but it's entitled bobby coaches shelly and mm. it's, it seems like it's 
actually, I wonder if it was in the the Twin Peaks Unwrapped mm. community or God, I was I can never remember what's called Unseen Players when they did oh, like the, the like missing scenes and stuff. Oh, I I think the important question for me is is that deleted scene pre Bobby apology or post Bobby <laughs> apology? Because I'd rather I... it be post. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the like it's the same scene just done at a different location and uh, different dialogue so gotcha, gotcha, he gotcha. admits to not being fair to shelly and they go over the speech gotcha. and the speech is very off theme <laughs> <laughs> of course it seems like maybe they just said oh that's a little long for this episode so we'll just cut it down and put it in the diner mm. okay when briggs speaks in gibberish after he gets uh-huh. the injection he is saying that gum you like is going to come back in style in the backwards red room speech. Uh-huh. I mean, I don't, it's not moved for like front ways, but I think he's saying it in the back ways that if you were to reverse uh-huh. it, it would be in the front ways. It would say it. Yeah. <laughs> Where have we heard that before? Have you heard that before? That was in the first season when Cooper got a clue from the giant about who the killer was. He said, that gummy, like, and then in the end, it ended up when they had the big roadhouse thing with all the lightning and Leland Uh was there. And he, I think he was like, hey, that gum. I think the old man had the gum and he was like, that was my favorite gum. (laughs) (laughs) Very interesting. (laughs) I was like going crazy. I was like, I've never heard this before. (laughs) And this episode came out April 18th, 1991. We, um, if we remember back from the last episode that we did, this was the last one before they made them take a break for all of sweeps in May, and then right. they had already canceled it by this point. Ooh. Not by the time it was filmed, but by the time it was released. Right. And, oh, I said the Sea Twin Peaks unwrapped book, because there's lots of stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I marked up the book. <laughs> it's the first time I <laughs> tried to do the notes like that. Stephen Gyllenhaal, he was saying that he, it's oh he was saying that they were like, I don't know, this is very like poetic. <laughs> Let me see if I can sum it up. But he was saying that, you know, this is like David's weird <laughs> spacecraft, <laughs> and that his vision, his like initial vision, is always propelling the direction that they were doing. But he also gave them all like a lot of freedom, which we've heard from other directors before to explore mm-hmm. the worlds laid out for us. And he said he's never as a director felt so free and inspired, which, you know, I was thinking about Jane Austen and David Lynch and how both of them wrote or have done very little in comparison to like how much we're covering for the podcast, because right. like Jane Austen had so many different adaptations, which she really had nothing to do with or whatever. And Twin Peaks has so many other contributors to it. Right. That David Lynch doesn't have. Yeah. Anyway, I was just thinking that was an interesting comparison. Oh, Willie Garson, who was the... I forgot to write him down. He was the the friend of... the um, Of uh, Rusty? <laughs> Rusty, yeah. He's actually... I looked him up, I think, and he's been in like... His IMDb is like, he was in a million things. I think he passed away, but like, (laughs) he was like the most working actor in the world. (laughs) He didn't think he'd be at all right for like a heavy metal roadie part, but Joanna Ray, the casting director, I guess liked him a lot. And, oh, (laughs) 
He's, here's a quote. When I went in, I said to them, I have to be honest, you have this role 20 times over in the waiting room. It's just not me. And he said, I don't remember if it was Harley or whoever was in the room said, well, that's why we're Twin Peaks. You're hired. <laughs> <laughs> and funny. he also was like kind of nervous about having to cry. And Stephen Gyllenhaal was like, cry, cry now, cry now. <laughs> so that was funny. Was it? Just look at Andy. Also, it seems like Stephen Gyllenhaal was the one who came up with the idea of having all the characters' hands shake. Oh, that was very creepy. <laughs> and was there anything else? Oh my god, Billy Zane <laughs> was very excited. I guess he must have played a bad guy. Is like been famous for playing a bad guy prior to this. And so uh-huh. was like really grateful to be able to, you know, come in and play the good guy and leading man. And Tim Hunter and Harley Payton both say that they all kind of knew there was like, will we get canceled? There was like a knife hanging over their heads the whole time. Ugh, that's a nice. sword, I should say. Okay. And okay, so that was my, I should probably write that out next time I try to do that. <laughs> <was just> so <laughs> no, that was there. great. Yeah, that's a lot of information. That was cool. And then the log lady intro. Yes, please. There are clues everywhere, all around us, but the puzzle maker is clever. The clues, Mm. although surrounding us, are somehow mistaken for something else. And the something else, the wrong interpretation of clues, we call our world. Our world is a magical smokescreen. How should we interpret the happy song of the meadowlark or the robust flavor of a wild strawberry? Okay. <laughs> very log lady-ish. Very, I don't know that that really has much to do with this particular episode. Unless it's just the shaking or whatever. It's like the mystery. We don't know why things are the way they are. Well, her line about like seeing one thing as, you know, point as like exhibit A when it's actually exhibit B makes me think about like when Coop kind of has that realization that Wyndham actually isn't here because of him. He's actually here because he wants to go to the Black Lodge. And it makes mm. you think of like, and her like referencing like all these like world thing, how our world is made up of like these sort of like misconceptions or red herrings. Because True. like, is like, you know, there are all these things that happen at once. And are they related? Most likely not. <laughs> and the magical smoke screen could definitely relate to the last scene. Oh, yeah. Which was really <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for interpreting that for me. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. All right. Shall we go ahead and get into the recap? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I said the path to the black house. Is that a play on the road to the white house? So that's what I was. That's where my brain was when I first saw the title. Well, I remember when I like clicked on it to watch it again, and I was like, "This doesn't sound right." And so I checked it on Apple TV, and I was like, oh, "For some reason, whoever's in charge of Paramount <laughs> got it a little messed up." Alrighty, so for season two, episode twenty, "The Path to the Black Lodge." We open at the park where the biker and the chess piece was found. Um, We see about six or seven people rocking it back and forth to carry it out of the gazebo. And then I wrote, how did Wyndham get it there if it was that heavy? Very interesting. (laughs) I guess he made Leo help him. (laughs) 
That's only two people. <sighs> Good and point. There's like, he must maybe had a pulley. Maybe. Yeah, I would say maybe if it's like nighttime ish and maybe if it's not like a very well traveled area, maybe he was able to build it there. True. It's very know. absurd, absurdism, the like, yeah, them trying to get it off the casino. <laughs> yes, because they were, well, it was almost like it, I was watching it and I was like, is this supposed to be comical? Because they're rocking it back and forth and they're like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and it, it's just definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely supposed to be comical. <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> but as they carried away, they passed by Harry and Coop questioning the biker Rusty's friend. And we learned that after their tire Willie blew Garson. out. <laughs> Willie Garson. This is where I looked him up, apparently. <laughs> You're like, who is this? <laughs> in over 300 episodes of television and more than 70 Whoa. movies. Whoa. He died last year. Oh, well, that's sad. Yeah. Well. He had a long career. Yeah. Very prolific. Yeah. Uh, but we learned after their tire blew out that they met a man that came out of the woods, which was clearly Wyndham, and he lured Rusty out with the promise of beer, which is kind of what we <laughs> figured when <laughs> we were at the cottage when he was still alive. <laughs> which I was like, these heavy metal guys are a little too gullible. Like a man just coming out of the woods <laughs> randomly. Do not talk to that person. <laughs> right. Uh, but after the end of his story, we see Andy starts crying. <laughs> Harry goes, Andy. And <laughs> I like maybe not the best. Crying. <laughs> <laughs> He's too sensitive. <laughs> but then we go to the station the next morning, and the three guys come in with boxes of donuts and greet Lucy at the front desk. Um, but she stops Andy and asks him about saving the planet. And she mentions that tomorrow is D Day or Dad's Day. And she'll like finally that. choose. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> she'll finally choose who will be the father of her baby. And then she also reveals that she'll be entering the Miss Twin Peaks pageant because she could use a little bit of money for the baby. She's so empowered, Lucy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She's like, I don't care what either of you think. I will pick the father. <laughs> <laughs> the father of my child. <laughs> so let me go to the Great Northern. And John is in the lobby checking if Audrey's returned, but... No luck. Then he heads off screen and then we go into Ben's office. He was trying Doc to be crazy is... with his like, I've got to go. I'm like, you have a private jet. Right. You can go anytime. <laughs> Wait for fucking right. Audrey. <laughs> well, clearly, I mean. You and know, then he doesn't based... leave till the end of the day anyway. So like, dude. Right. I was going to say, based on the ending of this episode, like, it's not like he had to leave immediately. He was just being weird, I guess. He's going to leave immediately to go to Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So run a company, I guess. Who knows? Uh, his, yeah, <laughs> I think they explain it later, but still, it's not a good enough excuse for him to be no. so like, I've got to go tell Audrey that I'll never see her again. <laughs> I'm so flustered. <laughs> so dramatic. But then we go to Ben's office and Doc Hayward's giving him a physical. And after he's finished, there are lots of allusions to Eileen and his past and, you know, them possibly being involved. And maybe Donna, you know, might not be, might not realize who her real father is, blah, blah, blah. You know, lots of allusions to doing the right thing, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. He really, I feel like Doc Hayward, I feel really sorry for Doc Hayward in this scene. He seems so sad, but he also gives him a few real good burns, like... It's what's in your heart that should concern you. And goodness in you is like a time bomb. (laughs) Right. I mean, there were some really good lines, but 
I don't know. I'm like, Donna is not, she's not like she's 10 years old. Like she's not technically an adult and she clearly already is onto you. So maybe it's best to be honest. (laughs) Yeah. But John slash Jack knocks on the door and enters the office and he says he's looking for Audrey, but Ben lets him know that she's not back. And that's this is when John started writing my Cree against. (laughs) I was like, I think a murdered person can wait an extra hour. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You're not his next of kid. Calm down. (laughs) (laughs) He's already dead. You can't save his life at this point. Right. (laughs) But John divulges to Ben that a good friend of his has passed and he now has to leave immediately for Brazil. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever. They also, in this episode, keep going back and forth from John to Jack. And I wish they would just stick with one. <laughs> I know, just write him as John Jack now. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I do. So then we go to the Haywards, and we see that Donna's in the attic, and she's snooping around for clues about her mom and Ben's past. She finds her birth certificate, and she scans for the line where it says the father's name, but it's blank, which is very no weird. <laughs> Which was very weird, considering that her father probably would have been the one to deliver her. So, hmm. Yep. I don't know. She's looking at a lot of pictures, and they're like pre-Eileen in a wheelchair pictures. And yeah. it seems like they're all great friends. Her, mm-hmm. Ben, and what's that? wasn't um Doc in there, too? Yes. He had like slightly more strawberry blonde hair and Ben had this giant <laughs> handlebar mustache. <laughs> so it's clearly the 70s. <laughs> yeah. I'm very curious about the whole, like, what is the story with them all being besties? But yeah. I can say, I do not remember that scene. That's <laughs> like one of the scenes no. that I saw and I was like, <laughs> I don't remember this at all. Because <laughs> I've never, it's never stuck in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> What's well, such a short scene? Um, yeah. I would not be opposed to a Twin Peaks, I wouldn't say prequel, but like a look into the past and we get to see like Ben and them growing up. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. But then she hears her mom call for her and says that she has a call, that it's from Harry and that it's urgent. Mm -hmm. So then we go back to the Great Northern and Audrey is finally back. (laughs) But Hawk is waiting for her and says Coop has to see her now and that it's very important. She can't (laughs) dilly-dally any longer. But in Ben's office, John and him, John slash Jack and him are discussing his leaving. And it looks like John won't be coming back, which disappoints Ben. It's also rash. Like, you're never coming back? Never? What, right. are you, what is happening? <laughs> right. Especially when his job, according to him, is that he takes over companies and fixes them and then sells them. So then I'm assuming that's ex- not exactly what you'd be doing. But if you're in charge of this company you're going to be able to take some free time. I know. You'll never, ever leave Brazil again. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? So crazy. But uh, John hands Ben a letter to hand to Audrey and then leaves. Interested in what this letter is. But at the station, Major Briggs is ordering, <laughs> I wrote, a biker slash cop, which is Cappy. <laughs> I said man perms were so in at that time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I kind of love them and I kind of want them to come back because <laughs> they look really good with black hair. Ugh, if I it had the hair. Such a, like, hmm. The curly man's hair, I feel like, was like such a, a style that people really loved at a certain time. But oh, yeah. I don't feel like it's really in anymore. Not in that cut, no. I feel like curly hair is like 
is back in now, quote unquote. But the perm cut, I don't think is really uh, sticking. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to get a perm anymore because it's so damaging. Harsh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but Harry Coop and term, we learned that Wyndham was the brightest, I just wrote brightest, the brightest mind in the Project Blue Book group. He was kind of like the star of it. But as they turned their sights more towards the wooded areas in Twin Peaks, he kind of became destructively obsessive. And after eventually turning violent, he was removed from the project. So maybe kind of a, I don't know if it was his own becoming crazy about it or if maybe like the forces of Twin Peaks kind of made him crazy but it left me with a lot of questions like did he somehow like was he already removed from that assignment before he started mentoring Cooper did he somehow know about Cooper and his weird like brain stuff and then we haven't heard about the Blue Rose Task Force yet I don't think no but then I was wondering you know if he started the Blue Rose Task Force Right. Which we won't really know about, I think, until Firewalk with me. But basically, I'll just say that it's basically what Cole and Cooper, it's like the X-Files of the FBI <laughs> in Twin Peaks. You know, they are the Blue Rose Task right. Force. Supernatural stuff. So I was like, did yeah. Wyndham actually start this, I wonder? Or was this like, I don't know. Very I'm just really curious about all of that. Yeah, I mean, he kind of, it seems like, especially after we see that, the tape that they play, it seems like he kind of knows everything about it and yeah. is kind of like very fixed on it. So I could totally see that. Yeah. But as that video ends, Coop kind of reveals his revelation that he's had and he thought Wyndham came to Twin Peaks for vengeance against him, but actually he's come here to find the Black Lodge or the Black House, mm. depending on what country you're in. <laughs> Same difference. Right. <laughs> <laughs> In Germany, a house is a lodge. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Or a lodge, I mean, a lodge is a house. can be a house. So. It's true. <laughs> but we zoom in on the bonsai when them left to spy on them. And then we. I can't believe they haven't to... found that yet. <laughs> I, I, I thought they found it the first day when Gordon screamed into it. I was like, oh, well, that's. Wyndham foiled right off the bat, but. Right. Nope. No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> But then we go to the abandoned cottage where Wyndham is hiding and he's listening in and he's kind of messing around with his computers and he's got various screens. And this is where I pose the question, where does he getting all this tech from? But then we see Leo <laughs> steal the, the zapper remote from Wyndham when he's not looking. He's plotting mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Well, in the scene before... They were like, Major, you need to go home and get some rest. And he was like, you're right. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to take a nice walk in the woods. And I was like, are you out of your freaking mind? You think <laughs> a walk in the Twin Peaks woods is a good idea? Right. You were abducted last time you were in them. Right. Especially <laughs> with all that you know. <laughs> so insane. <laughs> Just get a nice refreshing walk in the haunted woods mm-hmm. where nothing good ever happens. <laughs> and then like the kind of foreshadowing that harry says like he makes a comment like don't forget the breadcrumbs like uh-oh mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a little ooh. oh no i don't know let me go to the double r oh you say something oh no i was just thinking i just wrote down this is where the unexplained handshaking yeah Got yeah we starts. see an older woman eating some cherry pie but after she takes a bite we see her right arm start to kind of shake and vibrate and she doesn't seem to have full control over it for like two seconds Mm-hmm. Very creepy. Yeah. I don't know. This is our first instance of that. 
it's funny that like that whole thing was Stephen Gyllenhaal or whatever, because right. I feel like the whole concept of like the whole town having a mass physical mm-hmm. sensation like, is something that yeah. kind of carries on with the series. So it's just funny how yeah. different people's inputs like become part of the lore. Yeah. And maybe people who really love the show kind of like are influenced by the show in a way. Yeah. But in the background, in a booth, we see Shelly and Bobby going over her speech for the pageant. And they make some final edits. But Bobby interrupts to apologize for the way he's been acting lately. Very redeeming of him. And after he saw Shelly and Gordon kiss, everything seemed to come into perspective. That was a real wake-up call for him. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, I was like, stop being a jerk. Shelly is so pretty. Well, (laughs) Shelly is like, she's... The most pretty, she's the nicest person in Twin Peaks. She's, <laughs> she's got like literally every great quality. Yeah. Just not a great picker. <laughs> Very bad <pick>. Yes. <laughs> Bobby, on the other hand, I think is wearing the same suit that he wore to the funeral. <laughs> I think he probably only has one suit and he's just like, yes. I've always got to wear it. Too big for him. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> that could be a 90s thing though, because I think people liked big suits in the 90s. That's true, because I always think about, what's that movie with Christian Bale, the serial killer one? American Psycho. Yeah, I was like, even like, his suits were always just, I was like, the fit is very weird in the suit. They're always too <laughs> It's been a while since I saw that one. <laughs> Me too. I can very clearly remember reading it, though. <laughs> I've never read the book, but I feel like I do want to read it. I don't recommend it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> it's more of an intellectual exercise. And mm. it makes you, it's kind of like one of those books that just makes you want to not read it, you know? So you're just like kind of <laughs> skimming it and flipping through right. the pages. You're trying to get to like the parts. So you want it's to. either a really long list of boring shit or it's really graphic, horrible violence. So like either ugh. way, you're like, I don't care about either of these things. Just ugh. right. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Maybe I'll read things like that. Review of American Psycho in two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but just then, Shelly gets a phone call from Coop requesting her to come to the station now. And I like how the waitress, like, didn't even give her, like, a second to, like, think about it. She just told her about the phone call and she was like, now, Shelly. <laughs> it's like, it was so funny to me because it was, like, back to back. It's so weirdly ADR, too, because... There's like oh, yeah. no other sound whatsoever. <laughs> but you right, it's the, like quiet. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. All right, so then we go to the roadhouse and Mayor Milford comes in and tells Lana that the final two judges for the pageant are going to be Norma and Dick. Thank goodness Norma's going to be a part of it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, we got one woman. <laughs> Boo. But he says it's a shoe-in for her to win. But she wants to make sure first. And I wrote, why is she so obsessed with winning this small town pageant? They don't, they're throwing it in a bar. They don't even have like a banquet hall or a space for it. <laughs> She's like so fixed also, on it. Also, why like, does it have to be so, we're not getting married until I win because like you've only been engaged for like four days. So I didn't right. think a marriage is right around the corner. <laughs> well, it seems like he wants to keep, like he, he probably has told her a bunch of times that he wants to elope. He says something about, like, why can't they just elope? And uh, clearly she's just, like, stringing him along. Right. So, I don't know. I mean, clearly <laughs> like, we I'm know I'm not breaking out on. the Kama Sutra till we're married. <laughs> right. <laughs> but she says she'll only marry him if she wins the pageant. And he's just completely blind to the fact that she's taking advantage of him. 
<laughs> but he's not my favorite character, so I kind of like don't really care. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, he was ready to kill her for marrying <laughs> right. his brother. <laughs> and then she worked her her charm, her magic. Yeah. <laughs> Back at the station, Coop is meeting with Audrey, Shelley, and Donna. And through some questioning, we hear about their odd run-ins with Wyndham. And then she, he asks Shelly if she recognizes the handwriting, and she immediately knows it's Leo's, which I was like, you didn't look at it before, but whatever. It's not the kind of handwriting I would imagine Leo having. Yeah, it's a lot neater and like <laughs> almost like all caps stylized. It, it's bigger. <laughs> I would expect him to have like, you know, boy tiny Squiggly. handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, but then Cook tells them the plan to keep everyone safe. They must check in with Harry twice a day and that they shouldn't do things alone, like go to school or make any run any errands or anything, go to work since they're all in danger. Yeah, it's a very tense scene, too, because like there's a lot of close ups and the camera is constantly moving. Mm-hmm. It just feels like we're all in danger. Oh, does he say that you're in danger? We all are. Yeah, that that's how it finishes. <laughs> okay. you know, yeah, that's how it finishes. You're in danger. We're all in We're danger. We're all in danger. And you never know. Christian knows who the most in danger is, and nobody's talking to her. <laughs> Back at the abandoned cottage, Wyndham explains what duck paws are. And they're like, oh, yeah, they kept mentioning these people called duck paws. Oh. Men- Wyndham mentions them in the video recording. And then he explains to Leo, like, what they are. What are they? And they're like, ancient, like, (laughs) this is not going to be his exact words, but basically they're like ancient evil wizards. Okay. So, like, maybe, like, the giant and the arm or the dancing man, maybe? Maybe. I think maybe more so, like, like a Bob or someone who was able, maybe not necessarily, like, them on that side, but maybe people on our side who have who were able to kind of bring about those evil forces or who had access to the Black Lodge. So more like a Leland. Yeah, kind of like a vessel almost, maybe. I was just wondering, because I've been staring at that petroglyph for a while, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it seems yeah. like there's a giant and a, like, a little. Yeah, I mean, he might be involved, person. and maybe he used to be a duck Because we, we do have some tulpas later down the line, but I don't know if we ever talk about Dugpas again. Dugpas. Well, that's how the people who wrote the close captioning were <laughs> spelled it. So maybe, who knows? <laughs> maybe we're pronouncing it right. <laughs> right. All right. But as Leo cleans the buzzsaw, he finds a card with Shelly's face on it. The Queen of Spades, I think, or Queen of Diamonds. I can't remember which one. But Wyndham tells him that if Shelly wins Audrey the pageant. Queen of Diamonds. Queen of Diamonds. Okay. It must be Spades. But I could be wrong. I know it's a it's the not the Queen of Hearts because the symbol was black. Okay, either spades or clubs. Yes, but Wyndham tells him that if Shelley wins the pageant, she dies, and that kind of seems to strike something in Leo, and he turns around with the remote pointed at Wyndham, threatening to shock him. But uh, fortunately, Leo is not very smart and doesn't realize that <laughs> it's tied to the collar around your neck. Leo shocking himself is upsetting. Yeah, it was upsetting at first, but then I kind of like got annoyed with him because he does it like three more times. <laughs> He's also got like a brain injury, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because then I realized. That. <laughs> but I have to say, Wyndham, I've looked him up every time I've watched this scene because he has 
the voice of a 70s Disney cartoon, especially his laugh, sounds like it could be like directly out of like Robin Hood, the Disney cartoon. Yeah. Or something like that. <laughs> something like that. He does kind of have like almost like fairy tale. Can you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Cooper's... No, not Cooper. Christian's. <laughs> <laughs> sorry she's being particularly crazy today yeah he does have this like kind of like fairy tale villain-esque voice to him he's like <laughs> it's like kind of raspy i can't at all do it yeah it's, every time i'm like what cartoon are you in but i've looked at his entire IODB like three times Nothing. now and there's no disney huh. cartoons <laughs> i don't know maybe it's just very theatrical yeah. So back at the Great Northern, Audrey comes back and just misses John in the lobby. They just cross each other's path like seconds apart. <laughs> Your crazy and... kids always just missing each other. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, she goes straight to her father's office and greets him. And then she asks where John slash Jack is. But Ben sort of ignores her question. And he goes on this long rant about how the stop ghost would movement needs a spokesperson and that if she wins the pageant, she could be that person because she's very influential, blah, blah, blah. And she kind of ignores his entire rant and <laughs> go ask again about John, but he tells her that he's gone just left a few minutes ago. And then so she like, runs out of the office and heads to the lobby. But then we kind of flash back to Ben and he turns around and there's like, kind of creepy music and he kind of has like a shocked look on his face but then we never come back to it so i don't know if we're going to come back next episode but very creepy i didn't even notice <laughs> i think i must <laughs> it's, have looked away <laughs> yeah it's literally like a two second scene because like she leaves his office and then it like kind of pants back to him and he like turns around really fast and has like this kind of like concerned slash shocked look on his mm -hmm. face but then there's like weird music and then it cuts away we don't come back to it this episode so who knows? I'm guessing either Eileen or maybe Catherine. Those are my guesses. I would probably say Eileen. Or maybe Andrew Packard even. <gasps> that would be Does Ben know Andrew is alive? No, as far as I know. <laughs> <laughs> the the whole she... scene, I was like, could you please just let her chase her boy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, you care about her more than you care about yourself. <laughs> as Audrey goes to the lobby, she demands Pete drives her to the airport. She doesn't ask. <laughs> I love Pete being Audrey's rescuer. It's just yes. perfect. <laughs> yes, it was really sweet. And I was like, good choice. <laughs> Back at the station, they're examining the cave drawings. And they tell Andy to call Mrs. Briggs to see if the major went home. Because he should have been back by now. I said, where do you think he is? He went into the woods. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, Coop's looking out the window. And he starts to tell Harry about his... Um, infatuation slash love slash a little bit of a like a good obsession with Annie and Harry's very happy for him he's very in love and then he goes back to look out the window again and this is where we get the second instance of his right hand beginning to shake mm. like the woman's at the diners and clearly something's going on and he does look very concerned by it yeah I mean I would does he, he said his, <laughs> his love sickness is suggest the onset of malaria <laughs> <laughs> i did laugh at that it's like a good <laughs> symptom suggests malaria but i guess i'm in love <laughs> but then i'm shaking so maybe it is malaria <laughs> <laughs> and then we go to the woods and we see major briggs walking and he stops oh. at a tree 
and feels his scar, which is now a lot darker. It's like a dark purple, almost black. Really <laughs> weird. <laughs> but then a person in a horse costume comes behind him and Freak greets city. him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they reveal a dart gun and shoot him, knocking him to the ground. And then he reveals himself to be Wyndham at the head, laughing. With that laugh some more. <laughs> yep. I mean, you get like a quick, like two second scene of John at the airport getting into his jet, kind of getting ready to leave. Um, and then we go to the double R and we see Coop come in and him and Annie start talking and she gets him some coffee and they start talking about how they both can't stop thinking about each other and that she saw his face and some eggs this morning. <laughs> it's very cute. It's cute, except for it's like the scariest scene. In the yes, because it's like slowly... <laughs> zooming out and there's like very tense music but it's like this weird juxtaposed like very sweet conversation i was like is Wyndham here too how is he everywhere i thought (laughs) thought at first i was like is he watching is this like a different time of day but i didn't see him they start to kiss and then coop kind of like stops and looks around and starts to kiss her again and then all of a sudden like dishes kind of appear out of nowhere and crash the ground and like the dripping syrup kind of looks like dripping blood. But I didn't know where these came from because I watched this scene very intently, like f- multiple times. And they weren't anywhere on the counter. Like they weren't showing up anywhere. So I was like, I don't know where these dishes Did came from. they fall from. next to them? To like the left of, of Annie. But the counter was completely clear. It was just weird placement. I don't know. It was weird. Weird. Yeah. I also don't think Cooper should be encouraging her to put herself out there when Wyndham is menacing the entire town. <laughs> exactly. I think he's just blinded by love. I know. The love in the air is scary and sad now. <laughs> exactly. Let me go back to the airport and Pete's truck cuts off his John's jet just in time. He comes out to greet Audrey and they kiss and she tells him she loves him and he says the same. He doesn't know when he'll be back. And then she says, she tells him that she's a virgin and that she wants him to make love to her. It's an interesting and way it's, to proposition someone. <laughs> yeah. And he says, like, right here, right now. And she's like, it's your jet. <laughs> so I guess that's what they Again, do. No need to rush to Brazil. Exactly. <laughs> you got your own jet. <laughs> exactly. Um, but Pete is wiping away tears at the young lovers. Uh, but suddenly softy. his... Right hand starts to shake too. This is our third instance. I don't like it. Then back at the abandoned cottage, we see Major Briggs is tied up to a bullseye. And Wyndham is asking him questions and shooting arrows from the crossbow, like right next to his face. I don't like Um, it. It's like Annie, get your gun carnival act, except for... (laughs) Except for scary. (laughs) (laughs) But he's not getting any good answers. So he injects what I assume is truth serum into him. I didn't really understand because we never got like a label or like an explanation of what it was. So I'm assuming that's what it was, but yeah, it worked way faster than I would think any drug would work. Yeah. And like it was injected, but yeah, usually it takes like a few minutes because I I remember I watched something where they explained like the quote unquote truth serum, like what it actually is and what it does. And it definitely doesn't do anything that it doesn't hear. <laughs> it takes like a few minutes to work. And it's, I think it's supposed to make you like more subset, like relaxed and make you right. more susceptible to just 
kind of speaking what's on your mind. It's not something that's like magic where you're like, I have to say the truth now. (laughs) Right. But but that's what it does in this instance. And he starts answering questions very accurately. And he said he first saw the cave drawings in a dream the night he went fishing with Coop and disappeared. That's crazy to me. Yeah. That that was Um, the first time. Yeah. When he said he saw him in a dream, I thought it was going to be like, you know. Like, yeah, like a while ago, (laughs) like when they were both working in Project Blue Book or something. Yeah. And then he divulges some more secrets about the drawing, but then starts to mumble the backwards stuff and then passes out. And he says that something about when Jupiter and Saturn conjoin or something and or when they meet. And actually, I didn't look up to see if that was actually happening in the early 90s, but it just happened like last year. There was a Jupiter because Jupiter and Saturn conjoin or like are in the same spot in the sky every 20 years or so. Like that's when their um, cycles line up. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if. The early hmm. I'd have to look it up. But um, yeah. yeah. Also, Wyndham's impatience is definitely a flaw. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he clearly uh, <laughs> kind of uh, rushed it and then blew whatever other. Uh, what? Sorry. <laughs> my <laughs> earphone just squeaked in my ear and I. <laughs> oh. deafening me for a second. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was like, uh-oh, what happened? <laughs> this is scary. Then we go to the Martells, and Catherine is showing Andrew the box Jones left random. for her from Eckhart. Be very random. They're only seen in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but he speculates on what it is and then goes for a rolling pin. And he comes back and tells Catherine <laughs> that she'll have her golf course soon. And that's largely due to Ben's past self clearing all the hurdles for them. And that Ben is his own worst enemy. Uh, he opens the box, doesn't he? Yes. Uh, Andrew, he tries a combination of pressing like certain moon phases that line up to um, his birthday, Eckhart's birthday, and the day the gift arrived. There's no way that any of those symbolize dates. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> it was kind of uh, a little like, like Ooh, okay, maybe. That's a little. <laughs> it's a little much. But whatever combination he used works, and it opens. But inside is a smaller black box. Um, but he grabs it, and then, yeah, uh, he smashes it with a rolling pin. And then inside that is a smaller silver rectangle that almost looks like <laughs> metal of some sort, or like, I don't know, uh-huh. something very, a little bit iridescent of some sort. Yeah, it looks like but we don't know what like it is. brushed steel or something. Yeah, but we don't get to find out what it is this episode. Nope. Then we go to the roadhouse and they're finishing the setup for the Miss Twin Peaks pageant, getting final touches, but some people are there to dance, I guess. I don't know if there's like an event going on, but Annie's there waiting for Coop. And as he shows up, they start to dance. I was like, is a slow dance night at the roadhouse? I, I guess. It's just, it's very <laughs> funny because like, it's all done up for the pageant and there's like people on stage doing tech stuff and there's just like a mass of people on the dance floor dancing. I was like, are they still getting regular patrons during this? (laughs) It's very weird. They're dancing and they're being sweet and then they kind of progress to very uh, adult talk about how, you know, Coop doesn't need to be worried about being very forward with Annie just because she was at a convent and 
that she's very much ready for them to maybe consummate their relationship. But then Mayor Milford comes on and cuts them off for an intro. But it's unfortunately, very foreboding his... of their relationship this episode. <laughs> yeah, I, if it, if if it's going too well in these types of shows, something's wrong. Yeah, something's gonna happen. <laughs> Mayor Milford's microphone is not working very well. Lots of feedback dipping in and out. I said, uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> He's always a goof. And they get him a new one or they fix it. And he tries to resume his intro, but then it starts like shrinking down. <laughs> he tries to follow it and it's going too low. But just then the lights go out and the spotlight shines on Coop. And on stage, and then we see the giant appears, and he's That's motioning towards him. Oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, he's motioning towards Coop and is mouthing no over and over again. Very creepy. I was like, listen when the giant tells you no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, and back at the airport, Pete is asleep in his truck. It's now nighttime. And he wakes up to the sound of John's jet taking off and steps out to see it off. And then Audrey joins him crying. And they talk about John leaving and love and promises and that she said he promised to take her fishing on Pearl Lake, but he never did. And then Pete is the biggest sweetie in the world and says that he has tackle on the back of his truck and that nothing cures a heartbreak quite like a trout's leap in the moonlight. (laughs) And they go fishing. I love him. He's the best. And then back at the abandoned cottage, it looks like Leo is having like some sort of episode or convulsions where he's like screaming and holding his head. Uh, it's a lot of chaos going on. I think Major Briggs is like mumbling and Wyndham's kind of like yelling and messing around on his computer. And he kind of discovers that if you superimpose the cave drawing on a map of Twin Peaks, it's actually a map to the Black Lodge. Yeah, his cabin is... Truly a horror movie. (laughs) Yeah, it's very creepy. (laughs) Just like tools and things. It's all abandoned. It's really gross. Yeah. Um, But then we go back to the roadhouse and we see the giant kind of fade out and reality fade back in. (laughs) And we hear Mayor Milford in the background mumbling that something isn't quite right. Yes. Very. (laughs) (laughs) But then we start going to kind of like various locations around Twin Peaks. We go to an intersection, the Great Northern, the police station lobby, and then the room where the cave drawing is. And we hear a phone ringing in the background. Yeah, it's almost like abandoned because we hear a phone in the background, but like no one's answering it. Mm. And then we see a shot of trees blowing really hard in the wind. And as we come to a clearing, there's like a giant like hole or something in the middle that's kind of setting it apart. And then we see a spotlight come into view and shows and we see a hand with a denim jacket creeping out and like moving around very grossly. And then all of a sudden, Bob appears in full out of thin air. And then we pan <laughs> over to the hole and we see in the reflection that it's the curtains of the red room. Very creepy. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the Just end. Just seeing Bob's scary. hand come out is terrifying. <laughs> It was very creepy. I did not like it. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I feel like we're at the top <laughs> like, of the roller coaster and it's about to go. Yes. <laughs> what was your favorite part? I think I think one that really stood out to me was the diner scene between Coop and Annie. Like when it's like slowly zooming out and music's playing, but like 
nothing menacing is going on. They're just talking and it just like gave me a really weird feeling. And I felt like I was preparing myself for something to happen and it never did. It was like a very specific feeling. And I really loved that. Yeah, I think that was a great scene too. And I do love Pete rescuing Audrey and taking her fishing. But I would say probably from like the last couple of scenes where like the giants Mm -hmm. and Wyndham's horror movie (laughs) the Bob coming out of this this ethereal plane portal yeah it's just like all kind of builds up to this like oh my gosh (laughs) we're really it feels like we're preparing for some major events yeah yes we are and the pageant (laughs) (laughs) and the pageant Uh, Uh, so silly that was really good Mm -hmm. okay let's do the deep dive let's do it I've written three different people I don't know (laughs) we'll just do like a quick round of all three I guess sure that's fine We'll just do the cards and see if we agree or disagree. Okay. I think just because I was like, these are people who may not come back. We've only got two more episodes. I don't know. I mean, right. they'll be back in the next two episodes, but you know, may not, not come in back the return. in the future Twin Peaks. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So I thought we could start with Doc Hayward because he was pretty in this episode. Yes. Or Will Hayward. Will. The whole t- episode, I'm like, what's his actual name? All I can Me think of is Doc. <laughs> well, I don't think they ever say his name. Well, he has one. He's actually uh, Mark Frost's father. What? Yeah, he's played by Warren Frost. That's crazy. Okay, so he says on his card, accomplishments. I was the past president of the, no- of the Northwest chapter of the American Medical Association and served on the National Committee of the AMA for the Study of Euthanasia. Okay. (laughs) Scary. (laughs) (laughs) Strengths. My patients have expressed their appreciation for my caring bedside manner, my commitment to the practice of family medicine, and all other types of medicine. (laughs) (laughs) Every medicine. (laughs) Weaknesses. Given my busy small town practice, unfortunately, I don't have enough time to devote to my family. That's interesting because hmm. he never seems like a neglectful parent or anything. He always seems like he's got plenty no. of time for everything. <laughs> yeah, we never see any scenes of like any of the kids being like, you're never around. We're rebelling. Yeah. Okay, so obviously the nickname is Doc. Date of birth would be May 25th, 1929, which makes Whoa. him a Gemini. Yes, yes. You think so? Yeah, I've never seen him. I mean, he could be a Gemini, like have a whole nother side to him that we just never see on the show. But he always seems so like, I would feel like more like a cancer, like a compassionate, caring, nurturing type. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I wonder this, this whole like new part of him that we're kind of seeing with the whole Eileen and Ben side of it. It does kind of feel like there are like these, it's like he's leading a double life almost because it seems like they have the perfect home, like happy marriage, great kids who are good at things and are happy. But then now we're kind of seeing it all unravel. And clearly like something happened in their past where Donna may or may not be his daughter. And maybe they had marriage troubles and that's kind of what led to it. And 
Donna's clearly very unhappy. At the very least. <laughs> yeah. So it does, it gives me the impression of a little bit of like a double life, not in the most obvious sense, but. True. Yeah. I would also maybe say like a Capricorn just because obviously hard worker. <laughs> to yeah. Get- <laughs> to learn every type of medicine. Seriously. Likes V-neck sweaters and an occasional day off. Okay. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen him in a V-neck sweater, but maybe I have. I don't remember it. <laughs> Education, University of Washington and University of Washington Medical School. And played by Warren Frost. All right. Next. Leo yes. Johnson. <laughs> Leo. Accomplishments. With the money I saved from my paper route and various other capital ventures, I was able to Uh buy my own 16-wheel rig by the time I was 20. (laughs) You mean selling drugs. (laughs) I love (laughs) having the freedom to pick up and go anytime I want. I've driven across the country over 100 times, but never with Shelly. I was a hall monitor in high school. That seems unlikely. A hall monitor? I would think you were the bully. (laughs) He could have been both. I guess. (laughs) <laughs> There's like whole control aspect. Strengths. I'm not afraid to make a buck and I'm a good provider for my wife. Debatable. Weaknesses. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a bad judge of character. It seems that I'm always getting involved with the wrong kinds of people. Because of this, I let my temper get to me at times. I don't feel like he actually wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> it's not in Leo's voice at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Birth date. April 25th, 1968, making him a Taurus. Hmm. I mean, maybe the stubbornness. I feel like Tauruses are much more like enjoying the finer things in life or, you know, more comfort. <laughs> I don't feel like a Taurus would leave half yeah. their house covered in plastic. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I guess like I get this, the fiery, like strong headedness of it because he does seem very ambitious, but it doesn't seem like. Wait, I'm thinking of Aries. Never mind. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was like, well, Aries and Taurus are close, so right. Maybe he's got some of both. But um, yeah, he doesn't give off Taurus vibes. Maybe his rising sign is something more Scorpio. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely seems to have some emotional stuff. <laughs> yeah, a lot of baggage. He went to Twin Peaks High School and the MTA Truck Driver School, played by Eric DeRay. He is the son of Joanna Ray, I believe. Or I don't think it's Del Ray. I think it's Joanna Ray. But I think she's the casting director. I'm pretty sure. Oh. He's her daughter. I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Like, wait. Who's who's who's? (laughs) And the final one that I picked out is... Bob, scary. (laughs) I just saw his card in there and I was like, oh, well, we got to do Bob. He doesn't have a birthday. Okay, accomplishments. (laughs) (laughs) I have survived as long as man has been on earth. Yuck. That's pretty big accomplishment, (laughs) I suppose. Yeah, (laughs) surviving for a long time. I guess maybe man is the key aspect. Hmm. The evil that man does. Uh Uh-huh. Strengths. I am able to inhabit human souls and through them act out evil. Punishment is the only acceptable form of retribution. (laughs) Sounds on par. Weaknesses? I cannot possess everyone. (laughs) He wrote this. (laughs) Um, His nickname is Leland Palmer, so yes, we knew where our headspace was when we were making these cards. Mm -hmm. Birth date. 
the beginning of time likes <laughs> nothing education no formal education <laughs> <laughs> hmm. <laughs> actor frank silva prop master extraordinaire <laughs> <laughs> And apparently a really nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, he does a great job of playing an evil demonic spirit. Yeah. All he has to do is like, wear his jean jacket and creepily laughing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and show all your teeth. Something about that is just... Ooh. All right. Well, that is our triple deep dive. <laughs> <laughs> Any final thoughts on this episode? I guess all I have to say is I'm. it made me very excited to see what's going to happen in the final two episodes. I'm interested to see what's going to, what big events we're going to have to see. I know. <laughs> I'm so excited for you to see it too. Ooh, I talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> I guess, oh, I should probably have some final thoughts. Final thoughts. John, Jack, Justice Wheeler, we hardly <laughs> knew ye. You're ridiculous with your need to leave the country in a moment's glance. On your own <laughs> private notice. jet. When you have your own jet. And literally, you were there from the mo- moment you woke up, you were like, I have to leave right now. And then yeah. you didn't leave until it was dark outside. So <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, you had all day. You could have just had some patience. And it was a very creepy episode. Very creepy. Stephen Gyllenhaal, you did a great job. <laughs> yes, I really loved it. I love the direction. And I think that David Lynch might direct the last two. Ooh. I'm not sure about if he does the penultimate one or not, but there's well, I'm so excited to see that. much to happen. I know. The only two episodes. I'm so excited. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Recommendations. I should say that without a clap. Recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have one or would you like me to go first? I was just contemplating. I think I haven't finished it yet, but I would like to recommend Stranger Things. <laughs> Dang it, that was going to be mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's I, really good. I'm, I, I'm maybe halfway through. It's seven, so mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to tell halfway. That's what but we're about. It's I've really been enjoying it this season. It's very creepy. There mm-hmm. might have been something we were talking about in this recap that I was that made me think of Stranger Things, but uh-huh. I didn't mention it at the time, and now I can't remember. But <laughs> yeah, it's definitely got like Hellraiser vibes yeah. to it, and like Evil Dadish. Yeah, I keep going. Well, I don't want to really say anything that happens, but. I keep thinking like, oh, I want it to be more like this. And then being like, oh, no, but I really like that it's like this. So I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I'm really enjoying that it's very scary and spooky. Yeah, it is very scary. I mean, more so even than Twin Peaks sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. There's definitely a lot of visual elements that make me feel very gross. (laughs) But it definitely puts me in the mind of Twin Peaks and feels like, Mm -hmm. even though it's the 80s, Twin Peaks is like 90, so I feel like it's the 80s too, some some respects. <laughs> Early 90s was kind of like the 80s. Maybe it's all the permed hair that you're thinking of. Well, I mean, to me, mid 80s to early 90s is one thing, and like 70s to early 80s is another thing. Like, That's true. I don't feel like the 80s was like from 80 to 90, like one thing. I feel like yeah. it, it definitely evolved because, yeah, I mean, I was a kid, but just my 
remembering of like what people were wearing and looking back at pictures and right stuff like that yeah i love it though i'm really enjoying <laughs> it i i think it's uh not that i did dislike last season but i think it's a lot better than last season it's like just i don't know what it is but i'm just having it's been a lot so more long fun. since the last season i don't I really remember what i thought of it <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure i liked it but right i, don't, I can't compare it <laughs> there's a lot of mall stuff and i was like that is very malls I remember. Yes. <laughs> malls, malls, malls are very important. <laughs> the skating rink. There's a skating rink mm. in this mm-hmm. season, which I was like, whoa, major flashbacks. I know. I said that skating Bald rink hair. should come back. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go to that. <sighs> well, there, there still are. I think there's one down the street from me. I know some people yeah. go to the skating rinks still. A lot of times it's like for kids, like teens, though. And I'm like, I don't want to hang out with teens. Well, that's who was there when I was a kid. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> well, good recommendation. Well, do you want to do a different one or should we just do a joint recommendation for this week? We could do a joint one. Okay. I'll save mine for next week because <laughs> I'm not finished with it yet. Either. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's probably for the best since we're a little over time. Where can the good people find us? <laughs> yes, you can email us at mannersandmadness at gmail.com. You can DM us on Twitter at Manners Madness or on Instagram at Manners Madness Pod, or you can leave a one minute voicemail on our website at mannersmadness.com. Yes. And we'd love a rating or rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Yes, please. And you can donate if you go to our webpage if you'd like to. That would be very much appreciated. And <laughs> maybe something else, but I can't remember. We'll be back next week with, I think we already did St. Innocent episodes one and two. So Mm -hmm. next week will be two or no, three and four St. Yes. Which is also very enjoyable. So if you're a Twin Peaks person, check it out. Yeah. St. is a fun, it's a fun summer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I can really (laughs) like, there's something I should be saying, but I don't remember what it is. So it won't be said. All right, right, well, well, good night. Yes, thank you for listening. (laughs) Bye.